Welcome to episode 83 of the Muck Podcast, where we discuss the dark and sometimes weird true stories in American politics. I'm Tina Jaramillo. And I'm Hillary Dougherty. Hillary. Oh, hi. Hi. So we are sitting here on a Sunday. We are recording two episodes two today. Two episodes back to back. Yeah. So because next, well, coming up this week, I'm leaving to go to Chicago. The Windy City. Sweet home Chicago with my son <laughs> with my son for his birthday. We are so excited about this trip. You have no idea. He Every day he's like, I can't wait. I can't wait. I can't Aww. wait. I'm like, me too. And I thought it was so cute because uh, here's the thing. Like, I'm a vegetarian. Yes. And um, the way that I... I don't cook with with meat yes. very often. I'll I'll heat up some frozen chicken nuggets for you kids. Yes. But thank God that my husband, my brother, like introduced my son to cheeseburgers and like so my son has this wide palate. He'll try anything. Oh, then he's going to love Chicago. He's going to fucking love Chicago. Are you going to get him like a Chicago dog? Yeah. So <laughs> yesterday he says to me, "I really want to try a Chicago hot dog that has all the stuff on it. Mom's got to have the tomatoes and the onions oh. and the peppers." I was like, "All right, I'll get you one of those." And then I'll get you a regular hot dog. <laughs> so just in case you're like, eh. And then you can have a hot dog. But he's so excited. And we're going to meet. We're going to see the 360 Chicago, which is the top of the building. We're going to do the tilt where it tilts yeah. the window Ooh. out. We're going to do a speedboat ride on Lake Michigan. This is an amazing trip. I mean, we're going to do an architectural like river tour on the boat. Wow. Um, the Field Museum, which is like the Natural History Museum. Yes. The Shed Aquarium. I mean, girl. Wow. You everything. are going to do everything. Oh, that, we're going so to be busy. So that window, that leaning. Yes, the tilt. So the tilt. Um, <laughs> I'm just imagining my husband. My, you, you know, my husband is has an intense fear of heights. Does he? Yes. I didn't know that. Oh. Oh, my God. Yeah. I just could. We went. And he's so tall, which is funny. He is so tall. <laughs> and I first discovered it when we were on the uh, Duquesne Incline in Pittsburgh. That oh. is like the old school incline, the rickety little incline oh that takes gosh. you up the side of the mountain. No, 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 no. And then you get up to the top and then there's an overlook. Mm -hmm. And I had my son, who was a, my, my firstborn, who was a baby. Mm -hmm. And I'm at the edge looking over and I turn around and I said... Where's my Where's my husband? He's out. He's gone. Yeah. And then I walk back and I walk down the side and he's on a bench with like his head in his hands. Oh <laughs> my gosh! And he's like, all I kept picturing was the baby like yeah. falling over, oh. like he couldn't handle. Oh my god, and like, man! And then we were at the Frost Museum. Oh, I love it down there, Miami. Lovely. Yes, yeah. He wouldn't let us. He was like, "You cannot go up to like the third level." He's that's like, so, you can't. "That's the coolest part about that museum." And I was walking like, up you, those things. I said, "No, we're going up there." He's like, "No, no, 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 you can't go." <laughs> oh my God. So we went up there, and he could not go up. Dang, could not go up. It's so it's the three stories is it's not high. My daughter had something <laughs> similar with elevators, which she oh. still kind of has. This is all my mother's fault, by the way. Oh, because I mean, when she had a freak out in an elevator. Yeah, she well, <laughs> it was like an elevator. So my mom took her to the Science Museum in Fort Lauderdale. She was oh, probably yeah. three. And they have a Mars simulator, like you're going to Mars. Yeah. And she's in there with my mother. I remember this thing, actually. Excuse me. I've been in this thing. Yeah. And it start, the doors close. Yeah. You're enclosed in this little box. And there's other people in there. But it's it turns red on the inside. It's shaking. Yeah. So my daughter's like, oh, man, I'm scared. So my mother's like, open the doors. <laughs> like, starts standing up. And, of course, it's because they're grandchild. She's like, uh, but we got to get out of here. Open the Right? And my daughter's like, uh, and like instead of, like, holding her and be like, honey, it's going to be okay. Yeah. No, my mom's like, fucking balls to the wall, right? And then, like, months later, we took my daughter to Disney World. And she refused to go inside for a ride. She wouldn't even oh, go inside to, like, meet no. the princesses. She was terrified. Oh, poor baby. So this is, like, she wouldn't even go to the movies. Like, anything inside dark, she would not go into. And I call, every time I'd call my mother going, you know what you did today, <laughs> mother? Um, this is why I'm in therapy. And so then, so the other thing, so the elevator is the last holdout. And, oh. and I took I took our my daughter to New York, what, like, almost three years ago now. And I said... We're going to the Empire State Building. We have to get an elevator. Why can't we take the stairs? I was like, we cannot take the yes, stairs all the way to the top. <laughs> and that elevator is very fast. And when you look up, there's like it's um there's like a LED screen at the top, and it shows you 
moving like it's you yes. know, filmed but she was fascinated by that and now every time we get in an elevator she starts to read ads in the elevator she's like looking okay, around so she keeps herself yeah yes. she signed something that's good that yeah. she found a way oh yeah oh my god that's hilarious um so this is the problem with going to chicago is i'm now worried we're going to get to the airport and they're going to go you can't come because we live now it yeah. was now being called the epicenter of the world yes Thanks for new to COVID. Santis. I mean, death Santis. Yes. The new COVID cases, we, Florida is now the epicenter of the world. And this jerk off. Yeah. Also signed an executive order mm. where we had our wonderful school board down here in Broward to County. say, yep. in Broward County to say, hey, sorry, we are requiring everyone to wear masks to protect our, you know, it's not just protecting the students, but it's protecting our vulnerable populations that our students can potentially bring home to their families. Yeah. And we know in Broward that there are a lot of families that are intergenerational. Yeah. And it's not just about it. it's the students. It's not just about the students. And uh, that went into effect where, you know, they voted for that. And I was so happy and yeah. felt like a level of safety. And then this as a teacher, off, as a teacher, and then yeah. this jerk off comes along mm. saying, hey, executive order that overrides to say that parents now have a choice. And I feel like. You know, Mr. Joe Biden, who he needs to step up here on a federal level mm. and do something. Well, he needs to. Here's like, the we, thing. we can't wait. There was parents protesting outside before they voted in Broward County yeah. and they were burning masks. How yeah. embarrassing. It's embarrassing. How embarrassing for you. It's that not you're like so burning a draft card. You know what I mean? They're, they're yeah. co-opting these. Yeah. These like historical and these movements. Tina, for they literally. so stupid. One dumb cunt had a sign that said, my body, my choice. Yeah. And I thought to myself, that's funny. They, they don't understand. That's funny. They don't understand irony. No. And. Oh, did you see the other side? I saw one with, a, it was in Miami mm -hmm. with a child holding a sign yes. with the George Floyd, I can't breathe yeah. in. I got goosebumps mm -hmm. and I, I was so outraged. Yeah. I was like, who, what parent? Because the child obviously was too young to really understand what she was probably holding. Yeah. Because I think the, the kid looked like eight or nine years old. Yeah. And maybe doesn't understand like the whole George Floyd. Uh-huh. What happened? But what parent put that in that child's hands? Please. It's so disgusting. Let me say something else. This I... is someone died over oh. police brutality and yeah. violence. Murdered. 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 And you're comparing it to wearing a mask. Yeah. And guess what? You can breathe in a mask. Um, yeah, that's and the worst what, fucking part. What about the the surgeons? Like, I had a surgery mm -hmm. that was seven and a half hours long. Mm. Those doctors were in a room for seven and a half hours, nurses with masks on. Mm -hmm. They do that every single day, right? So you can breathe with a mask. Give me, Give a, me break, a break, please. You can sit in school with a freaking mask on, and then at recess and lunch, you take it off. You understand it's, it's so not stupid. about that. It's about the government saying you have to do something. And yes. these fucking morons, like I said to you last week, die already. Fucking die. Well, I, I don't give a fuck. <sighs> if you're so fucking dumb, you vaccinate your children at what, months yes. after they're born. Well, some, some most, don't. People, most do. people do. Yeah. We are past all of this. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? What are you doing? And well, there was a doctor in Memorial Health. It must have been Hollywood Memorial Healthcare. Maybe it was Miami. Who's like saying the saddest part about this is that we as a society don't trust doctors and yes. scientists. And what we're do what's happening is we are filling like look they're filling ERs. They're filling ICUs right. with for people who actually need help. My brother in law just was in the hospital last week. My they had to sit in they the fucking wait. waiting room for wait. four hours, and he's literally in the fucking worst pain he's ever yes. been in. And, but uh, without COVID, but he's fucking sitting there because these idiots, these fucking idiots, can't get their shit together. It's, and and I know people. Are like, oh, if we put them down, they're not going to do it. No, no, no. Did you you know what I just read in Europe? What they're doing? They are marginalizing these motherfuckers. Where you can literally do nothing if you haven't been vaccinated. Yeah. You can't go to a restaurant. No, you can't. You go can't to go to. Yeah, you France. can't go yeah. anywhere inside if you have not been vaccinated. They are going to fucking humiliate and marginalize these people. That's what we should be doing. It should just be. I know France is doing it. Italy is not yet doing it. England, I don't think is doing it yet, but I know I'm, I'm sure like Switzerland and other countries are. It's like, enough are already. Organized. It's enough already. I read though an article that said that now in these holdout areas where people were not getting the vaccine, mm -hmm. people are now getting vaccinated. Well, 
because now they're maybe realizing, oh, because they're calling it, like we said last week, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, that maybe these unvaccinated folks are going, oh, wait a minute, we are the only ones dying from this. Yeah. And I can't remember if we said it last time or not that, that you don't like you're the, the people who are sort of against the vaccine because of, I don't know what it is, what they're going to put in my Uh. body. But when you get COVID and you have to be intubated and then have to be given like this drug cocktail. Yeah. You don't know what's being put in either way. You don't know what's being put. You're rolling the dice on your life. (laughs) Yeah. That's what you're doing. And And it's in, and and I don't, I don't want people to die, but well, I know that that's where we yeah, sit. We, that's where we're opposite. <laughs> and I don't want someone no, to no, die, no. but I also feel like I have no sympathy for you. We are now yeah. over a year into this. Oh no, we're going on year and two. And not only that, what really bothers me about the school thing is because of the egos yes. and the fucking hard head, hard heads of these fucking human Destadura, beings yeah. who can't fucking get their shit together. You fucked their kids up last year with school, yeah. right? Like it fucked these kids up. Let's yes. think about the mental health. I mean, of these are children. we going to be now forced and to now be he, out of school again? Yeah, here of we are, Tina. Like, like, let's get real. We're like four weeks away from school starting. Yeah, and these kids were ready to go back into school. Masks, yes, optional or not, they're ready to fucking go. They're ready to. And go. And you are about to fuck this up again. Yes. Now, let's think about what happens when kids have to be virtual. Oh my god! And all those the parents, yeah. Yes. What about you and your husband are both teachers? You have to teach from home. Your kids are learning yes. from home. It's a fucking nightmare. It's a nightmare for parents who don't aren't teachers and have to go and to essential work. Essential workers, they have to go to Come work. On. These it's, motherfuckers don't care about shit. They don't think and and selfish. And Mr. Death, Death Santis, um, our Florida economy, oh please, relies on industry on food industry uh, on tourism right unfortunately well, we could have other industries that florida could be moving forward with like solar and whatnot but whatever but when we are now the epicenter who the hell's coming down here we're about uh, to head into um, season we had a shit season yeah. where our restaurant workers were not working we're not making money where people are still on on government checks and now you're going to mess up we're heading into a season this could have been the time where we recoup where people come down and now you're jeopardizing You're them. acting as if he looks that far ahead. He doesn't give a fuck about anything. He's not even here. He's, He's in, in fucking Utah. Utah giving a speech about yeah. Roe v. Wade. Are you out of your fucking mind? And joking about oh, masks. How, life's mat- how lives matter. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. 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 Um, He's, PS, looking, for, PS, he's PS, looking for his presidential bid. That's the future he's course, looking forward to. But let at. me say something else. Record number oh tourists God. in Florida right now. Record Are you num- serious? Yes. In the Keys, they've had record number of tourists. Oh God, and they're probably all not vaccinated. And what about oh, Orlando? Poor- you know Orlando's overrun. Disney just put a mask order back in, yeah, in thank fucking you. Play, place. I mean, oh, and I got to tell you, so I, I'm not really for, like, oh. I, I, there's something that bothers me a little bit. There's something that bothers me a little bit about requiring like the the federal workers or all these people like saying you have to be vaccinated to work here right but if you aren't vaccinated and you're working in this public sphere in a medical sphere that kind of thing you are really putting people's people's lives lives in danger it just doesn't make any sense to me and it's unfortunate that the government has to take this step right but it's because you have not followed what is best for not you your family and everyone else around you like what are you doing so I, now we got to treat you like the little yeah. baby, the nanny state. You want it? Here it is, yeah. motherfucker. It's it's coming. Here it is. And again, for all of those that are like, I don't want big government. I don't want government telling me well, what to do. And here is DeSantis telling local government what to do. Woo! Right? Oh God! We don't want face. this. Con- we don't want this control. We don't want. A, a, but but he he has his hand in everybody's business. Oh, and I got to tell you, let me say something else. And, about and, pers- and private business gets to say, hey, you have to wear a mask to work here. Mm-hmm. But a school doesn't get to say that. Right. A public office doesn't get to say that. Right. Give me a break. He needs to stay out of it. He, and it needs t- to be home rule. You know what this motherfucker, uh, God, I, I believe this is, uh, 90, I'm 99% there. I, but, ha- well, I have to I be finally, careful because. Um, you're fine. Uh, <laughs> P.S. <laughs> I finally went over to Chip Lamarcus Twitter because I haven't looked at his bullshit oh, lately. Oh God! And he had tweeted I don't know something how about how great it. the economy is what? here and all this stuff, and how Disney's getting all these jobs. Do you know Disney got billions and billions and billions of tax dollar cre- tax credits for hiring new workers from the state of Florida? Oh God! Why are they touting Disney as this great thing when they're getting so much fucking free money? Why does Disney get all this free money? I mean, Good I question. Get it. I get it because like they want to bring people in. 
No, they're however, Republicans. They donate however, to Republicans. Yeah. They donate to DeSantis. However, how about putting that into you know <sighs> infrastructure? I, I, don't know I have I'm to say here. that's one thing I'm going to say. I know this is like a nerdy thing, a government nerdy thing I'm about to say, but with Biden, that infrastructure plan, fixing bridges, fixing all that. I know we have other things going on, but that's a lot of jobs. And yeah. that's a lot of th- that. And that needs to be done. If because we can pass it in the Senate, can the Democrats like, get their fucking shit together? So, and it's like, here's the thing, like, and I, and we've said it before, but you know, you want to bitch about taxes, mm. but when you're on a bridge, that's going to fucking collapse because there isn't any money to fix it. Mm. And thinking about like the amount of jobs, think about all, like, I just think about where I'm from in Pittsburgh. Mm. It's bridges everywhere. And those are old ass bridges. Yeah. Like that needs upkeep. Yeah. Where's the money coming from? Like you mm. have, you use those roads every day. You got to pay. Yeah. Give me a break. God, mm. the food. And it's like, I don't want government involved in anything, but guess what? The food that you eat, the government's involved. Oh, please. You know what I mean? The roads that you're on, the government's oh, involved. The second so they now, die from Now you want to go, oh, uh, uh, vaccines. They're involved in everything. The second like, they die stupid. from some fucking chemical that was on a, a piece of lettuce that the government didn't fucking look yes. at first they're gonna there's go i can't believe this yeah. well that's why because there's no fucking what's it called regulation regulation god oh tina sorry we're ranting that's all right listen we're in the middle of it and it's really scary and people that i know and love are testing positive for covid yes. and it's fucking scary to it's me. scary and i just want to and it's um, scary die. it's scary <laughs> to think that what if i give it what if i end up contracting it and I give it to someone that I love and then they end up yep. really sick. Like, uh, no, like the guilt. Of course, of course. And it's, and you can't control that's, this is the thing though. If you get COVID, like it's out of your control. If you, if you're vaccinated yeah. and you get it. And that's the thing too. They said that there was that super spreader event, 74% vaccinated people were shedding the virus at wow. the same rate that non-vaccinated people were. So Jeez. they may not be showing symptoms, but they are still spreading it at the same rate. And right. that's why everyone needs to be vaccinated so that you are at least not hospitalized yeah. for this. Yeah. You know, and it, you may not get any of the symptoms. You might still be spreading it, but 12% of these new cases are children. Yeah. So let's all remember that so, too. Kids are not means, immune to this. Which means maybe it's mutating to affect children. Like that's, know, and you know, Sarah you know? Silverman on her podcast said it last week. Let's not wait until this thing gets strong enough to kill the children. Yeah. Maybe it's mild symptoms now, but we don't want it mutating to the point where it could kill ch- children oh at a higher God. rate than like what it's doing to adults. Yes. Right. Like we don't want that. And so that's like, the let's thing. protect and kids. I hate, say, I hate to say it, but if it was the other way around where if oh, COVID would. started yeah. and it was kids, everyone would be vaccinated now because it would be like, oh my God, the babies, the babies, the babies, yeah. right? Oh wait, they care about babies? Please. I All right, know. let's get into this because, girl, we can't rant this fucking long. Okay. I mean, at least we got it out, though. I don't have to do it later to uh, the wall <laughs> that I talk to, my favorite best friend. I just want to promote, again, very quickly, our little muck that came out last oh Friday. Oh, my God. Tina, I so much fun. I think I've I listened talking, to it three times. I've been talking to people. I was talking to my sister-in-law about uh, aliens uh, oh, just so the good. other day. So <laughs> It's one of my questions. I have a theory that you can get to know something about uh, everything about somebody by asking them these three questions questions one of them is do you believe in aliens the other one is what are your top three albums oh and the third one is what's your death row meal oh i think you can really figure out find out a lot about people by asking those three questions death row Ooh, we should do that on one of our patreons i was just thinking that okay (laughs) all right so i am first this week yes yes okay we are going to talk about something called the bonus army oh so i got this from uh, a wonderful uh, pot. It's a wonderful podcast, but I've, I've actually never listened to their podcast. Oh no! But I follow them on Twitter because they put up daily posts. It's called Working Class History. Oh, I've, yes, I'm so familiar good. with them. It's yes. so good. And they put up uh, pictures. It's they don't just do America; they do the world. Yeah. And so they put up pictures of like on this day in history, and it's like you know they're they're anti-fascist. You know, like da da da. It's very. Very good. Ooh. And they put up posts and they put up one about Danny Glover. Danny Glover, the actor, yeah. and how his parents were activists and he was an <gasps> activist. Like he stood up for the his parents worked for the post office and so he was in part of this protest like of of of, of supporting the, the the post office and like he was in Danny Glover's wow. Yeah, I was thinking I was like, maybe I should add him to my <gasps> list and just like 
Talk about Danny Glover. I was going to say, can Danny Glover come on Loma? Yes! Oh, Dina, fucking please. <laughs> I loved him. So um, anyway, I saw this one on there uh, because July 28th, 1932 is when this took place. Oh. This big event took place. And so I saw it on there last week and I thought, all right, let's do it. Okay. Yes. So a lot of what or what we're what I'm going to talk about leads up to what became the GI Bill eventually. Oh. You know what I mean? So supporting and. Uh, veterans. Yes. Okay, so the practice of wartime military bonuses began in 1776 as payment for the difference between what a soldier earned and what he could have earned if he had not enlisted. Oh, okay. okay. So the practice derived from English legislation passed in 1592, the 93 session of parliament to provide medical care and maintenance for disabled veterans and bonuses for serving soldiers. Similar legislation for disabled veterans later only progressively passed by the North American colonies, beginning with Virginia in 1624. In August 1776, Congress adopted the first national pension law providing half pay for life for disabled veterans. Considerable pressure was applied to expand benefits to match the British system for serving soldiers and sailors, but had little support from the colonial government until mass desertions at Valley Forge that threatened the existence of the Continental Army, which led George Washington to become a strong advocate so it's a always got to be when push comes to show it is you and, know? And, and so it was so funny 1776 veterans are yeah you don't have your headphones on <laughs> like 1776 veterans are fighting for pay yes this is still happening today we're still fighting for pay it's, 300 it's something wild. it's, it's wild. fucking insane why don't we acknowledge and that people support need and pay like a living wage? I don't know. <laughs> for the people who are putting their lives on the line for this country. I know. Okay. It's so ridiculous. So in 1781, most of the Continental Army was demobilized because they're like, go fuck yourself, right? Wow. Which is the best. Yeah. The best. Um, two years later, hundreds of Pennsylvania war veterans marched on Philadelphia, then the nation's capital, surrounded the state house where the U.S. Congress was in session and demanded back pay. Ooh. Get it, motherfuckers. Wow. Congress fled to Princeton, New Jersey. And several, several weeks later, they're like, bye. And several weeks later, the U.S. Army expelled the war veterans from Philadelphia. So, yeah. Several weeks. So they yeah. took hold. Oh, oh yeah. I love it. Congress progressively passed legislation from 1788 covering pensions and bonuses, eventually extending eligibility to widows in 1836. Oh, okay. Great. So before World War I, the soldiers' military service bonuses was adjusted for rank, and it was land and money they would give them. So a Continental Army private received 100 acres and $80, which in 2017 was about 1968 bucks, right? Wow. At, at the end of the war. and But the land is amazing, I the think. The land is amazing. But and did they do this for all, you know, because I know that there were uh, regiments at certain yeah. times of, of black soldiers. Mm. Would they? No, girl, please. I know. I'm just, I just. Uh, and a major general would receive 1,100 acres of land. So, but here's the thing. <gasps> 1,100 that, acres? Yeah, Holy but here's the crap. thing that bothers me the most is this land doesn't belong to you to give. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, we are not, we are guests here. Yeah. We have pillaged and, you know, this is not your fucking land to hand I out, know. which I found appalling. No, it's terrible. Yeah. So in 1855, Congress increased the land grant minimum to 160 acres and reduced the eligibility requirements to 14 days of military service or one battle. Uh, And they also, the bonus was applied to veterans of any um, indigenous war. It says Indian war, but you know what I'm saying. Like any war with any uh, Native American tribes. The provision of land, because, you know, when you're fighting these wars, you're you're accumulating land. Yeah, this is the best. Like you're fighting indigenous people you're taking their land and then you're going to give that yeah, land then you're going to get it to bonus. the people who fought yeah okay wow yeah oh my it's God. an incentive it's horrible <laughs> the provision of land eventually became a major political issue particularly in tennessee where almost 40 percent of open land had been given to veterans as part <gasps> of their bonus 40 percent by 1860, 73,500,000 acres had been issued <gasps> and lack of available open land led to the program's abandonment and replacement with a cash-only system. I mean, the cash-only makes more sense. Like, they, yeah. Do they just think, like, how vast do they think the land I was? I have no idea. And I wonder now today the impact when you talk about, like, intergenerational yes. wealth yes. of owning that much land, staying in a family, mm-hmm. and... I mean, 
That's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. Wow. And this is when we talk about uh, like they didn't the realize white, the, white the people money. having yes. a an advantage yes. owning that land for generations was yes. given to you because you fought in a war where black people weren't even you know black men weren't fighting in these right. right. So breaking with tradition, the veterans of the Spanish American War did not receive a bonus, and after World War One, that that became a political matter when they received only a sixty dollar bonus. Wow. <laughs> so no. World World War One. That's get 60 bucks. Yep. And then these other folks yeah. years ago just have acres and acres of land. Right. And the they Ameri- couldn't, and they didn't revoke that. Like you can't revoke it once you give it. No, no, no. The American Legion created in 1919 led a political movement for an additional bonus. On May 15th, 1924, President Calvin, Calvin Coolidge vetoed a bill granting bonuses to veterans of World War I saying, quote, patriotism bought and paid for is not patriotism. End quote. Oh, it's easy for you to say. Mm-hmm. It's easy for you to say. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about that for a second. I think uh, you know today is the people who folks who enlist are usually poor whites, black and brown people, um, and folks who are trying to use the military service to to, to further a, right. to actually get a learn skills, get a career right. in, the, in the service, get the, you GI, get, you bill, get the GI bill, anything, and they you can. also get um um like when you buy a house that you get yes. money for housing, you get loans, you get, yes, you get it's, the VA um, and hospital, you right, get, right. So this idea of like you're enlisting for patriotism, I mean, I'm sure there is some part of that there. I know there was like a mass people enlisting after 9-11, right? Like yes. they all wanted yes. to fight for their country. And I totally get it. I totally understand that. But let's not assume everybody who's enlisting is because they want to fight for the love of their country or whatever this patriotism thing is. It really is a thing now that people enlist because they, this is their option. It's an opportunity. It yeah. offers them an opportunity to serve and offers them an opportunity to move forward yes. in a way that they maybe wouldn't be able to. Exactly. Which is also sad because then when we go to war, those yeah. are the folks that are dying, right? And their lives are not, they should not feel it. And I, I guess my only real experience is is uh, going to Iraq, right? Yeah. And so this idea that like we can go into a, a country and invade it on false information and h- thousands and thousands of American soldiers are dying. Like they were 18 year old kids, like black and brown kids. Yeah. Like it was, it's, inc- they're not expendable. Well, dying. And then those who aren't dying, the, you know, yeah, mental the, impact. Of yes. War. Yes. Tina. Yep. The mental health. And then they come back here and there's no services just like yeah. this. It's like what's available. Nothing. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, Congress overrode his veto a few days later, enacting the World War Adjusted Compensation Act. So Congress said, go fuck yourself, Coolidge. We're doing this. (laughs) Each veteran was to receive a dollar for each day of domestic service up to a maximum of $500, equivalent to about $7,600 today, and $1.25 for each day of overseas service up to a maximum of $625. Amounts of $50 or less were immediately paid. All amounts were issued as certificates of service maturing in 20 years. There were $3,662,000 374 adjusted service certificates issued wow. with a combined value of $3.64 billion, which is about $55 billion today. Wow. Yeah. So Congress established a trust fund to receive 20 annual payments of $112 million that, with interest, would finance the 1945 disbursement of this 3.6, right? So it's going to mature in 1945, yes. and we're going to put money in it every year to make sure that we can pay out as these certificates, right? Oh, our military fund, man. Always. Always. It's huge. Like, when you look, that's the thing. Have you ever looked at, like, the pie chart when it, you oh look at Oh, my God. It's the incredible. The amount that goes to the military spending. It's like, and it's, it's like Pac-Man, where <laughs> yeah, that's the best. That's the biggest part, and the yeah. mouth is all the tiny little pieces. Yeah, and it's like, okay, it, can, can we scale back a little bit? No. Just a little bit? No. No, we can't. That's called defunding, right? Yeah. We can't. That's a bad word. Um, oh. Okay, so meanwhile, veterans could borrow up to 22.5% of the certificate's value from the fund. But in 1931, because of the Great Depression, oh, no. Congress increased the maximum value of loans to 50% of the certificate's face value. So now it's like losing. Yes. Um, although there was congressional support for the immediate redemption of the military service certificates, Hoover and the Republican congressmen opposed such action and reasoned that the government would have to increase taxes to cover the cost of the payout. And so any potential economic recovery would be slow. So people are now losing their jobs. Great depression yes. happens. They bring these certificates to the government. And they're like, like Hey, pay and me. they're like, sorry, dude, yeah, can't do it. Or we'll give you 50%, 50% of its value. It's like, 
The veterans of foreign wars continued to press the federal government to allow the early redemption of military service certificates. In January 1932, a march of 25,000 unemployed Pennsylvanians, dubbed Cox's Army, had marched on Washington, D.C., the largest demonstration to that to date in the nation's capital, setting a precedent for future marches by the unemployed. Wow. So most of the bonus army, which is what they were called, right? We're looking for our bonuses, right? The bonus army camped in what was called Hooverville on the Anacostia Flats, a swampy, muddy area across the Anacostia River from the Federal Corps of Washington, just south of the 11th Street Bridges, which is now Section C of Anacostia Park, I guess is a park there. So approximately 10,000 veterans, women, and children lived in the, (gasps) so they brought their families, lived in the shelters that they, yeah, they built shelters for materials dragged out of junk piles nearby, which included old lumber, packing boxes, scrap tin covered with roofs of thatched straw. So they made, it's a makeshift community and we're like, we're We're not leaving. We're here. We want our fucking money. Wow. And they have no jobs. They have no home. Like this is it. Now we're, wow. You're going to look at us every day. Yes. So the camps were tightly controlled by veterans who laid out streets, built sanitation facilities. Well, they know what they're doing. Yeah, they and they held that organization. They held daily parades, you know, like experience. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So to live in I the camps, this. I know, to live in the camps, veterans were required to register and to prove they had honorably been honorably discharged. The superintendent of the DC police, Pelham D. Glassford, worked with camp leaders to maintain order, right? So you I mean, know, they're military, so they know, okay, yeah. this is how you set up. Because they set up when they go yeah. and fight. They have and to also, set up like, like, where they're... you got to think, too, like, the people who are in D.C. and live in D.C. are walking past. It's like, they have a great respect for veterans, as yes. most people do. Yes. And so they're not out there voting, trying to take money away from them. But they're like, yeah, you know, fight. Like, they're supportive. This oh, police chief was, this. like, in there, like, all right, you're here. But, like, let's make sure nobody gets doesn't get out of fucking yes. control, right? So... Well, and there's, there's families there. So it's, yes, they're kids. not there. They're not there in an aggressive way. Yes. So on June 15th, 1932, the U S house of representatives passed the Wright Patman bonus bill by a vote of 211 to 176 to move forward the date for world war one veterans to receive their cash bonuses. The bonus army massed at the U S Capitol on June 17th as the U S Senate voted on the bonus bill, but the bill was defeated oh, 62 no. to 18. So this ain't good. Ugh. Right. Um, so then on July 28th, 1932, under prodding from the White House, the D.C. commissioners ordered Glassford, who was the police chief, to clear the buildings oh, no. rather than letting the protesters j- drift away as he had previously recommended. So they go into the building. Oh, they're protesting no. the building. And they're like, get them out. When the veterans moved back into the camp, right, they went right. back. Police drew their revolvers <gasps> no. and shot at the veterans. No. Two Why? of Two of whom, William Hushka and Eric Carlson died. They were shot and died. So a little bit about them. So William Hushka was born in 1895. He was an immigrant to the United States from Lithuania. When the U.S. entered World War I in 1917, he sold his butcher shop in St. Louis and joined the Army. Oh, my God. And then they're like... Yeah, we can't do anything for you. Right. After the war. I know. After the war. He didn't have to fight for this country. That's right. He was an immigrant, right? He had no loyalty. Well, I mean, maybe because he opened the shop and he felt like, you know. um, After the war, he lived in Chicago. He was buried in Arlington National Cemetery a week after being shot by the police. Oh, my God. Um, Eric Carlson was born in 1894. He was a veteran from Oakland, California, who fought in the trenches of France in World War I. My God. And he was also interred in Arlington after the shooting. You know, he makes it through. Yeah. Can you imagine hell? That war, that he- I mean, that hell, and you come back and you get shot. Yeah, that and is the, in the capital. Disgusting. Yeah, that, that the- is so so horribly disgusting. My God, I could see this happening today. I got to tell you, oh <laughs> I could see God. this fucking happening today. After the two veterans were shot, the commissioners asked the White House for federal troops. Hoover this passed. Is unbelievable. Hoover passed the request to Secretary of War Hurley, who told McCarthy. MacArthur to take action to disperse the protesters. Oh, God. Towards the, the late afternoon, cavalry, infantry, tanks, and machine guns no. pushed the bonusers out of Washington. No, they put tanks. They yeah. rode. T- <laughs> Meanwhile, there's You're a relationship me. here. Wait a minute. There's a relationship between the police You're and these t- veterans, right? I understand right? that. And now they're rolling in. Yeah. In tanks and military yeah. equipment to bulldoze these guys out. And basically, which is like makeshift homeless houses yeah wow Mm -hmm. wow and there's there's families there yeah i'd imagine it maybe because of the protesting in congress that day and like you know i'm sure they were very upset yeah so thing didn't pass 
But right. does that mean we're going to shoot them with machine guns? Yeah, what the fuck? No. No. Um, okay, no. so here we go. So President Herbert Hoover then ordered the U.S. Army to clear the marchers' campsite. <gasps> on, Ju- on July 28th, 1932, U.S. Attorney General William D. Mitchell ordered the veterans removed from all government property. At 1.40 p.m., Army Chief of Staff General Douglas MacArthur ordered General Perry Mil- Miles to assemble troops on the el- ellipse w- immediately south of the White House. You know, that's that little yeah. um, half-moon driveway. Within the hour, the 3rd Cavalry, led by Patton, who was then a major, crossed the Memorial Bridge with the 12th Infantry, arriving by steamer about an hour later, which is a boat. (laughs) At 4 p.m., Miles told MacArthur that the troops were ready. Although the troops were ready, Hoover twice sent instruction to MacArthur not to cross the Anacostia Bridge that night, both of which were ignored. So the president's like, don't go in. Yes, I don't want you doing this. It's right. a threat. Like we just maybe would. I think that Hoover thought if right. they see us, if they see us, they'll, they'll leave. leave and we don't have to get, it doesn't have to be yeah. confrontate that mm-hmm. con- like a physical mm-hmm. confrontation. But, it can just be this intimidation. Yeah. Oh shit. But that's not what happens. Oh, no. So shortly after 9 PM, McCarthy, MacArthur ordered Miles to cross the bridge and evict the bonus army from its encampment. The oh, refusal no. to follow orders was claimed by MacArthur's assistant chief uh, of staff George Van Horn Mosley. However, McCarthy's aide Dwight Eisenhower, assistant command of a secretary of war and brigadier General Perry Mills, who commanded the ground forces, all disputed Mosley's claims. So they're basically saying Hoover said not to do it. He told Mosley and Mosley's like, I told them and they ignored me. So now there's this. Uh, back, now they're going to blame. Now right? they're going to blame the little yes. people, right? Now it's like it's, back it's and my aide. I, I didn't yeah. know. He yeah. gave me misinformation. Yeah. Oh my God. Like what kind of person? Which I got to say something else too. I can't imagine that anybody serving would want to go into that encampment. Right. Like those are military yeah, guys. They're like their you. brothers. Yes. Right. Like why would they ever want to do that? So I no. really think that that order was never sent. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I don't know why they would ever want to do that. They're going to ignore to not go in. Yeah. I don't know. Come on. So they said these two orders were never delivered to MacArthur and they blamed Mosley for refusing to deliver the orders to McCarthy for unknown reasons. At 4.45 p.m., commanded by General McCarthy, the 12th Infantry Regiment, Fort Howard, Maryland, and the 3rd Cavalry Regiment, supported by six M1917 light tanks, commanded by Major George S. Patton, formed in Pennsylvania Avenue while thousands of civil service employees left to work, work to line the streets and watch. So... All these people are working to see come out to to watch this. We're just going to watch this happen. Wait, wait, wait! Wait to hear this. Yeah, wait to hear this. The bonus marchers, believing the troops were marching in their honor, (gasps) cheered the troops until Patton ordered the cavalry to charge them, (gasps) which prompted the spectators to yell, "Shame, shame!" Because they all thought, like, "Oh, this is like a thing." Yeah, it was very confusing, right? Because again, because they're all the same. They're all that's right. That's right. They're all like, "Oh, they're here to like they're supporting us." No. They had no fucking idea. Imagine that. Imagine that disappointment. Again, people are like, they're supporting these troops. Like, yeah, you guys should stick out. And then they see the fucking military is going to attack them. Wow. Yeah. Unbelievable. I know. After the cavalry charged, the infantry with fixed bayonets and tear gas (gasps) entered the camps, evicting veterans' families and camp followers. The veterans fled across the Anacostia River to the largest camp, um, and Hoover ordered the assault stopped. MacArthur uh, chose to ignore the president and ordered a new attack, claiming (gasps) that the bonus march was an attempt to overthrow the U.S. government. Oh, come on. On. 55 veterans were injured and 135 arrested. Uh, A veteran's wife miscarried. <gasps> no. When tw- oh. Listen, this now this is terrible. I'm sorry about this. But when 12-week-old Bernard Myers died in the hospital after being caught in the tear gas <gasps> attack, a government investigation reported he died of enteritis, and a hospital spokesman said the tear gas didn't do any good. Like, he was already oh. sick, this little baby. And then he's inhaling, you know, inhaling this tear gas. What is wrong? Please. What's wrong with our government? During their military operation, Major Dwight D. Eisenhower, later the 34th president of the United States, served as one of MacArthur's junior aides. Believing it was wrong for the Army's highest ranking officer to lead an action against fellow American war veterans, he strongly advised MacArthur against taking any public role he said quote i told that dumb son of a bitch not to go down there he said i told him it was no place for the chief of staff end quote so this macarthur i think was the real yeah he's just like problem. i'm gonna uh, uh, take care of things but so despite his misgivings eisenhower later wrote the army's official incident report that endorsed macarthur's conduct mm. but i remember you doing another story about a 
Eisenhower. Eisenhower, where he covered things up. Remember, it was at. Well, it's the, like uh, all good old good old boys, you know. Yeah, it with the with the navy going oh, into probably. the town. Do you remember? Oh, I don't remember, but it's yeah. I mean, it was with the with with the 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 uh, homosexual. Oh yeah, and it was Eisenhower yes! was involved in that too. You're right, covering the, um, things up. It was uh, Providence. Yes. 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 Oh, God. So the aftermath, George uh, Angelo, a decorated hero from the war who had served Patton's life, saved Patton's life during the Meuse-Argonne offensive on September 26, 1918 in the war, approached him the day after the day after to sway him. Patton, however, dismissed him quickly. So you got people, you know, that are wow. were serving together. Wow. Though the bonus army incident did not derail the careers of the military officers involved, it proved politically disastrous for Hoover, Good. and it is considered a Bye. contributing factor to his losing the 1932 election in a landslide to Franklin D. Roosevelt. Police Superintendent Glassford was not pleased with the decision to have the army intervene, believing that the police could have handled the situation, but he soon resigned as superintendent because he felt yeah, right, what guilty. What is he going to do? During the presidential campaign of 1932, Roosevelt had opposed the veterans' bonus demands. A second bonus march plan for the following year in May by the National Liaison Committee of Washington, dis, uh, disavowed by the previous year's bonus army leadership, demanded that the federal government provide marchers housing and food during the stay in the Capitol. So the people who weren't for these bonus right. people before that, that the, the invasion, like invading their camp are now for now, them. Now they're for them. <laughs> now they're like, fuck well, you. Yeah. You know? My so God. despite his opposition to the marchers' demand for immediate payment of the bonuses, Roosevelt greeted them quite differently than Hoover had done. The admi administration set up a special camp for the marchers at Fort Hunt, Virginia, providing 40 field kitchens serving three meals wow. a day, bus transportation wow. to and from the Capitol, and entertainment in the form of military bands. What? Yeah. Administration of, uh, officials led by presidential confidant Louis uh, Howe tried to negotiate an end to the protest. Roosevelt arranged for his wife, Eleanor, to visit the site unaccompanied need she lunched with the veterans and listened to them perform songs she reminisced about her memories of seeing troops off to world war one and welcoming welcoming them home the most that she could offer was a promise of positions in the newly created civilian conservation camp corps for uh, one veteran com commented quote hoover sent the army roosevelt sent his wife end quote. in a press conference following her visit <laughs> in a press conference following her visit the first lady described her reception as courteous and praised the marchers highlighting how comfortable she felt despite critics of the marchers who described them as communists and criminals wow. Ro roosevelt later issued an executive order allowing the enrollment of twenty-five thousand veterans in the ccc exempting them from the normal requirement that applicants must be unmarried and under the age of 25 congress with democrats holding majorities in both houses uh passed the adjusted compensation payment there in 1936 uh, authorizing the immediate payment of the two billion dollars in world war one bonuses wow. and then overrode roosevelt's veto of the measure because he tried to veto it yeah uh the <laughs> house was uh the house then voted 324 to 621 and the senate was 76 to 19 so it passed wow and then, you know, wow. so that's how we kind of led into, like, the GI Bill and all of those and things that we And all the do. other services. Yeah. Wow. But, see, this is why we need, this is why we need that First Amendment. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, we have to be able to yeah. protest. That's right. That is our right to assemble. But that's how and things, that's how that's things, how things have things always changed, changed you know? Yeah. Why would somebody ever want to stop that, Tina? <laughs> why would somebody <sighs> want to stop people assembling? Yes. DeSantis. We're looking at you, motherfucker. Ugh. Dopey. I call, I've been calling him Dopey Dwarf <laughs> lately because he looks like Dopey. Oh, my gosh. No offense, Dopey. No offense. Yeah, because Dopey yeah. was sweet. He's cute. Yeah. Hi, I'm Maya Grant. And I'm Rebecca Cohen. And we are The Sauce. The culture and politics podcast where we drink cocktails and ruin the stuff you love. Like revealing how mafia movies paved the way for Donald Trump. And connecting My Little Pony to QAnon. And asking, what the hell is it about Adam Driver? Our listeners say... The hosts tear into their subjects with such clarity and depth, you may need a cigarette afterwards. And... A bit like Chapo Trap House, but it doesn't make me want to end my life. Find The Sauce with Maya Garantz and Rebecca Cohen wherever you get your podcasts loved that story oh, so good. i have an old-timey story today <gasps> today wait, wait can you before you say something i was when i was reading these dates i was like i think this is the furthest back that we have gone is that the furthest 1600s like when i'm talking about the oh, english parliament maybe yeah i think it might be yes all right sorry go ahead all right today yeah i'm gonna tell you the story of the 1904 colorado election scandal Ooh. so governor james p Ooh. 
I want to say something about Colorado real quick. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> we had um, Representative Tatone uh, on here. Yes. yes. She was talking on our little muck. She was talking about passing uh, a mental health uh, yes. bill where people, it's free. Once a year, you can you go can in. If you live in Colorado, yes. you get a free mental health checkup. That fucking passed. Woo! She got that pass in Colorado. Yes. I just want to say congratulations to her. She's she was, amazing. She was a fantastic guest, but yes. also she's doing fucking amazing work in Colorado. <gasps> and those residents in Colorado are now so much, are going to be so much healthier. They have this option. They can get free mental health check. I mean, I think yes. that's incredible. It's amazing. It is. I'm sorry. So amazing. you said Colorado no, 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 and it made no, me think no. of her. She's amazing. Okay. Okay. <laughs> sorry. All right. Governor yes. James Peabody served during a tumultuous time in Colorado history and had a contentious relationship with the working class. But when the incumbent governor loses, mm. cries of election fraud add fuel to the fire. Ooh. So our story takes place in Colorado, and it's just about the turn of the century. And things were tense all across America at this time. The Gilded Age was ending, and politics were, it was, everything was like crazy. Uh, a lot of corruption powerhouse groups doing whatever they could to ensure that their candidates win. It was all that kind of stuff happening across the country. Mm. So the National Governors Association noted that Peabody got his start in politics as Fremont County's county clerk from 1885 to 1889. Following that, he became Cannon City Treasurer, then mayor, then city councilman. Then in 1902, he wins the governor's seat. Wow. And according to History Colorado, and I got a lot of this from that site, uh, James Peabody served as governor um, during a time where there were a lot of strikes happening, okay. specifically with miners and railroad workers. Okay. And miners wanted, uh, quote, rights and representation. But what made Peabody different than some of the other elected officials at the time in Colorado was that he didn't side with the miners. He was on the side of big business. Oh, so God. this started a lot more tension between the oh, working God. class group and Can you imagine. Can I know. Get out of here. So where the other governors allowed the miners to strike, Peabody fought back and he even similar to <laughs> sort of your story, he sent in the national guard to control the rioting and the protest, which ultimately ends up leading to the Colorado labor wars. Can you have you? Can you think of one I, time in history when this ever fucking I worked know. in your favor? Like, it's just it's where you're against like just workers. work with people, yeah. work with people, like listen to what they have to say, yes. negotiate. What the, what and are you doing? It's, it's ridiculous. It's, like, it's the opposite of big dick energy. Yeah, know. You know what I mean? It's like what are you doing? I like to be no so. Idea. It, because because you know he's getting his pockets lined yes. with big business, so he's of course he's not going to look out for other people. I mean that's an but a, how do you even allegedly? It's, like, it's, it's and I I this whole episode should be called Desantis heavy. Yeah, but it's like <laughs> it's just like Desantis, where yes. I've never seen somebody just so gleefully stand up and support against what, corporations and, and, and against, against people. What the people want and against the. But here's the worst part: the health and welfare yes. of the fucking what's best yes. for the people in this fucking no. state. No. He's, he stands up there with this big fucking stupid ass. <laughs> face and he's like oh, do, 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 yeah. against human beings against human beings how are you where in the fuck he's got a head of a bubble head right like there's something wrong with this fucking guy no he's ego driven like, and he wants that presidential this? seat that's it Oy he vey. he has tunnel vision on what he wants oh tina that's it i can't so the national governors association further explains that things culminated with several strikes in 1903 and 1904 there was the Cripple Creek strike, the coal strike, and the reduction mill employees strike. And these were violent protests and mm. fighting from both sides. Like, it was just yeah. a lot of intense fighting. Jesus. So when it was time for his reelection, Peabody faced Alva Adams, a Democrat. And the slogan was, and this made me laugh, anybody but Peabody. was, like, <laughs> the slogan. Like, we got to get this guy out of here. Yeah. He's not for the workers. I mean, like, you know. Yeah. So... Because he, you know, was not on the worker's side, Elva Adams kind of really, like, tapped into mm -hmm. the working class. And he also had political experience. He previously served as governor three different times. Oh, wow. He was the 5th, the 10th, and the 14th. These two groups end up going up against each other. It's the people backing Peabody and the people backing Adams. Uh, Adams. Mm -hmm. And Adams wins by this slim, tiny, tiny mm. little margin. Now, based on the bit of knowledge that we have on Peabody, what do you think he does when he loses? 
I'm not fucking leaving. Yes. Yeah. He's not going to concede. Like no. he's like, oh, it's a slim margin. There was fraud. Oy. Right. So the Republicans who ruled the legislature at the time refused to af- accept the election. And they're like, no, this, this, we're not accepting it. Ugh. And things go a bit kooky from there. And all these claims of fraud start surfacing. And according to History Colorado, things got so bad that it stopped the state government from working. So like, Jesus, because like there was no governor. Wow. Because they're like, we're not accepting this person as governor. And they start an investigation into voter fraud. You know, which the is, male here ego. we are. Here we are. Here we yeah. are. What's the state that's like going through? It's, <laughs> is it New Mexico? Yeah. yeah. You, you know, know, it's ridiculous. It just, it's incredible that if one man's ego has stopped an uh, entire state government from functioning. I mean, it's, it's wild. You'll it's never wild. hear that about a woman, by the no, way. No, never, never. Your so, dicks have a real problem. <laughs> you guys in those dicks have a real issue, a real problem. So the Denver Post even said, never has there been such wild disorder in any legislature. Like, it Wait was, a minute. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, uh, fast forward. Yeah. Maybe at the Florida's time, like, Denver Post. Florida 2021, hold my beer, uh, Colorado 1930. Yes, hold my beer. Yeah. <laughs> that should be the title. Yeah. For today. <laughs> and apparently uh, both sides really did engage in fraudulent behavior. Both sides did. So it wasn't like one side... So I mean, yeah, nobody's nobody's perfect. Come on. Yeah. So some types of corruption. There were stuffed ballot boxes, um, which I'll talk a little bit more about. History Colorado also noted that miners and railroad workers were forced to vote for Peabody mm-hmm. by the owners of the mines and railroads. Basically, it was vote for Peabody or lose your job. Wow, like, that was it. So, yeah. So not not us. Not know. okay either. Um, and one of my favorite parts of the story is when the election clerk. Uh, jumped off a moving train to avoid turning <laughs> the, the evidence of a voter fraud. Oh my God, that is so fucking so funny. According is he to, okay? <laughs> all right. He was okay. So according to Lamb and Smith's book, Pioneers and Politicians, the election clerk, Juan Montez, was under some pressure. Yeah. So he's like I'd stressed say. out. I'd say. And the Dems wanted to prove that Peabody's Republicans were shady, so he had to testify. After being subpoenaed, so like he refused to testify, (sighs) they subpoena him. And then when they subpoena him, he's like, unless you're paying for my ticket, I'm not going anywhere. So then they're like, we'll pay for you to come. And like, it was like, just to get this guy to show up. Oh my gosh. And he was basically like charged with, you got to bring the ballot boxes with you, right? (laughs) Specifically, they wanted a box from the Maitland district. Okay. And Lamb and Smith note that the boxes he brought were all sorts of messed up. So missing poll books, Mm. ballots folded every which way, ballots that weren't counted at all. But he didn't bring the Maitland box. And oh. so they send him on his way back. Like, you've got to bring the box back. And he gets so freaked out that he jumps off the train <laughs> rather than, like, return the box. Yeah. Run for the hills, bro. <laughs> Run. And then officials finally, like, catch up and um, they get hold of the box. And the box is, like, empty. Like, oh. there's nothing. No. Yeah. So (laughs) this guy, imagine like he's like, whoop, I'm just out of here. I mean, like you're risking your life when you're jumping off a train. No, he said this would be better. Yeah. Throw instead of throw mama from the train. It's like throw the election box off the the ballot, throw the ballot box off the train. Wow. Um, So regardless, after a couple of months, according to James Chipman, since the Republican controlled the legislature, they got to decide. And the mm. end, like, who's governor? Aww. So they voted to oust Adams, and Peabody was instated. But here's the thing. He was only given the governorship on the condition that he resigned promptly after taking the oath of office, and the lieutenant governor, Jesse McDonald, was sworn in. Oh. Sworn in. Well, but- so Colorado had three governors in one day. Wow! <laughs> I love that, Isn't that so like, much. So nuts. So I as far as like charges, no one really got in trouble in terms of like the politicians, mm-hmm. but the election clerk, that poor Juan Montez, he was arrested. Um, and I couldn't find sort of like uh, any sentencing or anything like that. Like it just was like he was arrested because yeah. obviously like he's jumping off a train to avoid <laughs> showing that he participated I mean, in honest. corruption. What, at what point at work, everybody at one point in their job is like, I gotta, I'd yeah, rather I'm jump jumping, off a fucking yeah, train yeah. than show up tomorrow. Yeah, right? I'm like, jumping I mean, the train. Yeah. Jump in the train. Oh my God. So a newspaper at the time um, 
the Rocky Mountain News reported, quote, this is the most flagrantly corrupt incident that has ever happened in Colorado history. Wow. And um, according to Jay Ray's article for Hellraiser's Journal, cited in Daily Kos, here's what Elva had to say about it all. In the eyes of the nation, Colorado has been disgraced. We have won the contempt of free men everywhere. By command of the corporations, a usurper has been placed in the executive chair. A new record in political infamy has been made. Wow. I was like, ooh, political infamy. Yeah, I love it. So good. And please forgive me, but he had such an amazing speech. And I have to like quote another little part of it. And I cited it. So if you want to read the whole thing. Mm -hmm. But he's um, talking about uh, sort of the corrupt politicians and the hypocrisy that Mm. I felt like it really rang true to what we see today. Mm. And he said, quote, they stand high in church and society. They drone their prayers with regularity. They are the holy willies, the holier than thou politicians. No publican of old more pious and self-satisfied. They are full of homilies on political virtue. Mm. They preach morality and practice treason. Their purse is open to the church and to the political corruptionist and lobbyist with equal liberty. For their disregard of the law, there seems to be no relief, as they would have the law so made, interpreted, and executed as to exempt them from penalty. Holy shit, wow. Tina. Wow. I'm like, it's, it's it today. Applies. It it's applies. Today. Yeah. It, it was incredible. What the fuck are we doing? I don't what know. What is this? I don't know. It's terrible. It's just haunting. It's yes. haunting to hear that. I mean, it's 100 years ago. It's fucking insane. It's 100 years ago. And a newspaper cited Adam's return to his hometown. So he goes back home oh, yeah. and they say no Roman warrior returning after victory in the field ever met with more whole-souled expressions of goodwill or greater loyalty than was accorded Elva Adams, citizen, and as characterized by the speaker who presented him to the vast crowd in waiting the first citizen of Colorado. Wow. So like he got this wonderful home. Like people recognize like you basically got screwed. Yeah. Um, Another fallout from all of this was that most folks didn't trust the voting process oh. on either on either side. They were like, "Of course, this is know, what I was saying." At the, at the like, who the fuck's gonna go vote? And after twenty eighteen, I was like, "How how do we get how people do we to trust? Go vote how again? do we get people to trust?" And but the thing though is that things sort of gradually went back to normal because as a result of all of this, re- reforms were instituted by both parties mm-hmm. to ensure that stuff like this doesn't happen again. So that was like, you know, I mean, the fact that it happened in the first place, but at least both sides recognize yeah. we need a reform. Like, I don't see that. No. I mean, I see the reform that is the the, the pretend reform mm-hmm. that is disenfranchising voters. I see that. Yeah. You know, in their attempt to, to say we want to make things more fair. Right, right. So some points of interest, um, the minor strikes of 1903 and 1904 are what led to the eight-hour workday. Mm. And it's another gentle reminder like your story on why we need that freedom of assembly why we need unions corporations would still work all of us to the bone yeah if we allowed it that's right right? um along with his political work i thought this was interesting that peabody also started the first national bank of cannon city so he was you know and again he's tied with all that money though and uh, i found some of the fraud uh funny um there were repeaters which were folks who voted more than once. And so Mm -hmm. a couple examples of that in one district, 134 ballots were all in the same handwriting. Oh my God. In another precinct of 100 legal voters, there were over 700 ballots cast. Like it was just like ridiculous. Like the fraud, like it was so obvious, you know? And then, um, another way that they did the fraud was that some people, they were like, we'll give you a tax break if you vote, Hmm. you know, the way that we want you to. Oh, well, I mean, that's not okay. (laughs) Not okay. So that's the story of how Colorado had three governors in one day. I love that story. It's like such a fun. I saw this and I was like, wait a minute. What in the hell? For the best. And it was one of those like rabbit holes where I was looking at something and looking at something else. And I was like, I never heard of this before. Oh, I love that. Girl. Mm. We have another one. So bye. No. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) We better get on it. Yes. And I'm so excited about my my story on the next episode. I'm excited for my too. You are? Yes. Oh, it's a banger, oh. that episode. 
Is that a right thing? Banger? I don't know. I don't either, but it sounds like fun. Yeah, I like that. That's a banger. Um, I've got like five titles written down I think for you this. need to write that's a banger because I like that now. <laughs> you do? Oh, God damn it. <laughs> that's a banger. Oh, my God. Listen, I mean... What else was I going to tell you? Oh, I got, I, I've got to keep some of this for the next yes, episode. Yes, got to keep it for the next episode. <laughs> uh, all right. Yes. I look very tan and I want to talk about that you on the next look episode. adorable. Thank you. Let's talk about it. Tune in next week, folks. Yes. The beginning of episode 84 for Ooh. Hillary's tanning story. Yes. Oh, that would bring me right in. I'd be right there. With- <laughs> I want to hear it. I need to know. I need to. I'm looking a little pasty. <laughs> I've been indoors for a while. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. Listen. I'll see you next week. All right. Bye. Bye. If you want to see any photos or take a deeper dive into our stories, please follow the episode notes on our website, themuckpodcast.fireside.fm, and be sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at The Muck Podcast. To support The Muck Podcast, please visit our Patreon page. We have three levels of support and different goodies for each level, Muckraker, Policy Wonk, or Bleeding Heart. We can't do it without you. Music for the Muck Podcast, written and performed by Sean Doherty.